Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to live a life free of clutter. Welcome. So Tara, I have a question for you. Have you ever looked at something that you want to throw away and thought, no, I can't get rid of this because I might need it one day? Yes. I've said that possibly every day of my life, and sometimes possibly, several times a day. <laughs> and I think everybody has done this before. So this is one of the topics that it's a really popular topic in my talks and it's something that our clients talk with us about a lot. We hear it all the time. So a client will say to us, "We want to, I want to declutter, I need less stuff. And then we say, sure, okay, so what can we part with? Um, and they say, oh, I could part with this, but oh, I should keep it because I might need it one day. And so for some people, that fear, that justification, that excuse, I suppose we could call it, can stop them from decluttering pretty much anything. They can actually be completely stopped in their tracks simply by that little script in their head um, that says, I might need it someday. So what we want to do today is kind of unpack what that phrase really means because it actually doesn't mean what you're saying. And then we're going to talk about ways that you can uh, look at your stuff a little bit differently so that um, that question doesn't completely derail your decluttering attempt. It's a really normal thought to have. It's valid and it makes sense and it's really common. And even those of us that work in this industry can hear ourselves say it to ourselves sometimes when we're parting with our own things. Mm. It's so normal to think, well, I'll keep it just in case. And it's not wrong, but it's not right either. I think we all fear that regret, that sense of regret that we get if you purge something and then you need it and no one, no one wants that. So we end up holding on to everything just in case. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's really valid. You know, it's not wrong. Um, and you might need it someday. It's a perfectly legitimate, valid perspective. I mean, obviously depending on what it is, there are probably several things that I will never need because I'm not capable of actually using them, you know, like a 50 kilo bench press weight or something like that. But for mo in most cases, it's completely valid. And um, there is a chance that you might need that item one day. The problem is not in its correctness. The problem is in its helpfulness. And that phrase that we use or that reason to keep things that we use, uh, although it may be a correct reason or a feasible reason, it's not a helpful reason. And what it means is that it causes us to keep things that we don't need, use or love and that doesn't provide us value and that does hold us back because we're afraid. And I think there's an element of feeling like we've wasted money and you just don't, you don't want to admit that to yourself. So there's an idea of perceived value in holding on to something because if you need it and you've let it go and then you need to reacquire that item, there's a whole lot of monetary regret that comes along with it as well. And I guess people think if we hold on to this item, 
we are getting value from the money we've spent. And then one day, if we need it, we're not going to have to spend more money or seek that item out again and that kind of thing. But like we've talked about previously, the idea of sunk costs and stuff like that, it's not, it's not helpful. The money was spent when you bought it. So keeping it just in case you might need it is not very useful. I think when, when we, when, what we're really saying, when, and, and the, the word fear that you've used there is, is really valid. What we're really saying when we say I might need it one day is what we're saying is I'm afraid of the consequences of not having this should I one day need it. And I think that if we look at the phrase from that perspective instead, it opens up a whole new train of thought and that train of thought can actually help us get to a more helpful conclusion because if we're talking about consequences and we're talking about fear, we can then, um, for use of a, a jargony word, unpack that a little bit and and look at what the consequences might be, what the fear is based around, how valid the fear is, um, what the the actual consequences uh no, the actual severity of the consequences could be. And without, by asking ourselves or by saying to ourselves, well, I might need it one day, we're actually completely ignoring all of those other little elements that are actually at the root of this particular fear. So there's an essay online on the Minimalist's website and I love it. I think it really hits home to the core of this just-in-case ideal. And I'm going to read it to you. It's not very long. I will put the link to this in the show notes. So if you would like to have another look or another read, you'll be able to access it on our website. It's called Getting Rid of Just-In-Case Items, $20, 20 Minutes. It's written by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And it goes like this. We often hold on to things just in case we need them. We don't let go because we might need something in some far-off, non-existent, hypothetical future. We pack too much stuff in the remotest chance we might need something for trips and vacations. We needn't hold on to these things just in case. We rarely use our just-in-case items. They sit there, take up space, get in the way, weigh us down. Most of the time, they aren't items we need at all. Instead, if we remove the just-in-case items from our lives... We get them out of the way and free up the space they consume. Over the last few years, the two of us, that being Ryan and Josh, let go of the vast majority of our just-in-case possessions. And during our last book tour, we made sure we didn't pack anything just in case. Then we tested our hypothesis, the 2020 rule. Anything we get rid of that we truly need, we can replace for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes from our current location. Thus far, this hypothesis has become a theory that is held true 100% of the time. Although we've rarely had to replace a just-in-case item fewer than five times for the two of, the two of us combined, we've never had to pay more than $20 or go more than 20 minutes out of our way to replace the item. This theory likely works 99% of the time for 99% of all items and 99% of all people, including you. More important, we haven't missed the hundreds of just-in-case items we've gotten rid of and we didn't need to replace most of them. Getting rid of these items clears out minds, frees up our space and takes the weight off our shoulders. What are you holding on to just in case? I love that essay too, Tara. It really does put it into perspective and it, it shows that what we're afraid of is 
very unlikely to happen. And their their test that they did, their hypothesis, you know, they have only needed to actually replace a few just in case items. And I think that perhaps, you know, maybe our listeners might try that experiment as well and and see how many things that they actually end up needing to replace that they get rid of out of their just in case. So I've got a few examples from my own life and these are things that you might start doing to see if you could make this work for you as well. One area that I think is quite easy in your bathroom is a drawer or a cupboard and in there you'll find some items that are just in case items and you'll likely find some items that are just for when items as well. Just in case are items you're not sure you'll need or use but you hold on to them just in case, just for when, there's certainty around them. They're things you know you will use uh, as soon as the current one runs out. So, for example, in my cupboard I've got a spare box of toothpaste that's not just in case I need it. That's just for when the current one is finished. But I also used to have a bottle of fake tan in there and I don't use fake tan regularly. In fact, I can't think of the last time I used fake tan. But I was holding on to that just in case there we decided to go on holidays or there was a function I was going to when I was wearing a short dress and needed to tan my legs. But that bottle of tan had sat there for years. It had probably gone off. I don't, mm. I don't know if there's a use-by date on those, but I probably. imagine there is. And it was that whole, the toothpaste I know I will use. The mm. fake tan was just a just-in-case. And you know what? I thought I can throw that out because if that scenario arises, a holiday is not going to spring up on me momentarily. <laughs> I will be able to prepare for that. Same with a function where I decide to wear a short dress, in which case I can go to the shops we don't live remotely. I can get to the shops in less than two minutes from my house and I could spend the $10 it cost to buy another bottle of fake tan. So for me, that was a really simple way to look at things. And I think my junk drawer, same thing. There's batteries in there. When the current batteries in my TV remote run out, I have batteries in there just for when that happens. And I know that will happen at some point. So the batteries can stay, but that tiny little screwdriver set that I don't even know where it came from and why it's there that I keep just in case there's a tiny screw possibly <laughs> in my sunglasses that pops out and I need to and I can't think when I've used it I can't think when I will use it but it was there just in, just case. in case and then I thought you know what if it if I get rid of this item if I let it go I can always go and buy one if I need one and probably pay less than $5 to get a miniature screwdriver. Or mm. I'm sure someone else I know will have something like that. Or I'll go to the optometrist and ask them to do it for me or something like that. So for me, there's, if you start in a small place and start with a drawer and you can really sort those items into two really easily definable piles, the just in case and the just for when. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And and you, and you also were applying, um, the minimalist rule there, um, the the 2020 rule there as well, because you said it's going to take you hardly any time or money to replace those items. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I guess that sort of leads us to other possible solutions to this problem. And a lot of these problems, well, this, this main problem is pretty much psychological. Um, it is uh, fear-based. We are afraid of the consequences of not having this item should we need it one day and so one of the things that I 
do with my clients a lot is I ask them, all right then, so let's imagine we do get rid of this particular item. What does happen? What's the worst that could happen? And Now, the answer to the worst that could happen is that you get rid of it and then you need it someday. So that's the worst is you actually do need it because you, when we say, what if I need it one day, we're actually assuming we will. And so we need to, again, say, well, there's a very good chance I will never use this. So for a start, we're starting off with a small probability. And then we're looking at the risk um, as well to that and the consequences and the severity of the consequences. So the severity of the consequences of getting rid of your inhaler um, will be a lot different to getting rid of a bottle of shampoo that's still got a quarter of it left in it. And so... You know, when we were looking at um, the consequences of not having this item should you need it, uh, that's going to be a really good indicator of whether it should stay or whether it should go as well. And most of the things we keep for just in case, the consequences are, you know, really survivable. It's not really as bad as what we think. And when we say what's the worst that could happen, you know, a lot of my clients look at me and they go, oh, goodness me. It's, I'm just going to have to go down the shops and buy another one and it, they cost $5 and why am I keeping this? And it's only when they start to think about the actual consequences instead of reacting from fear on imagined consequences that they actually find it's really not going to be nearly as bad as what they think. And I think it can be really helpful to set boundaries as well. So going back to my mini screwdriver set, for people that wear glasses regularly and use them, adjust them regularly, I think set some limits around it. If you think you will need that at some point and you're, you're having trouble parting with it, then keep one, keep the one that fits your glasses and let the rest of the set go. So set some limits around that rather than keeping everything for just in case. One thing that I've encountered a lot is plastic ponchos. I don't know why <laughs> these people that go to football matches and rugby games and things like that, and they don't take any, protective clothing if it rains and then it rains or it gets, starts drizzling they'll go and spend their five dollars buy a plastic poncho and take it home fold dry it out fold it back up put it back in the little bag and keep it just just in case they need it again but then there's I never find just one of them I find 20 of them <laughs> because the next football game they go to they don't take, to take another it. plastic. <laughs> they buy another one and take it home for just in case and I said well if you are keeping this just in case, then take it with you and reuse it, but they don't. Mm. And that's the thing where I said those items are always going to be available. So mm. why don't you let go of them? And I know it's hard because you've just spent $5 on your plastic poncho and you feel like that money is down the drain. So now you either make a conscious decision to keep it in your handbag or your backpack or whatever you take to the football so it's there when you need it, or you let it go when you come home, knowing that next time there'll be an option. Um, but I think... I think there's people need to set some limits and set some boundaries around the just-in-case items as well if they're really having a hard time parting with them. Yeah, especially if they feel the consequences are a bit unbearable. Um, and that's the biggest question is, are the consequences completely unbearable? And, you know, this, this exa example that I have um, that I use in my workshops of, of a client, um, we were going through her uh, spare room um, and it had become pretty much full of stuff. And it was a little bit like an archaeological dig, uh, and I'm sure the listeners will be able to relate to this, where the top layer is the most recent stuff. And then, you know, when you get right down to the depths, you're getting to about 10 or 15 years ago. So we get to the bottom 
of the pile. We're about 15 years down and we find a bike bell. And now I go through my usual questions with the client who instinctively wanted to keep the bike bell. Now I knew that that wasn't helpful and I knew that it was conflicting with her goal of getting the room usable as a guest room. So I of course questioned her and I said, okay, so let's look at, let's look at why you want to keep the bell. Do you need it? And she said, yes. And I said, oh, do you have a bike? And she said, no. And I said, what do you need it for? And she said, well, okay, I don't really need it. And I said, okay. And I said, do you use it? And she knew that I knew it had been in a pile um, for about 15 years and that she hadn't actually used it and hasn't been using it. And there was actually a spider living in it and everything. So she sort of laughed and said, no, no, you're right. I don't, I don't use that. Uh, and I said, do you love it? And again, she laughed and she said, no, but I have to keep it. And what she was afraid of was if one day she did buy a bike, that she would need the bike bell. And so we had a bit of a chat about it. And, you know, the chances of her buying a bike were relatively low because she'd been wanting to for 20 years and she hadn't. Um, so the chances of it were relatively low and she, she knew that too. And the chances of her buying a bike that didn't have a bike bell already on it were very low. And then the chances of her buying a bike that had a bike belt on it that she didn't like the sound of, again, was really, really low. And so once we worked out that the consequences were quite benign um, or the chances of her needing things were quite low and then the consequences were quite benign because the consequence is if I don't have a bike bell, I do buy a bike, it doesn't have a bell, I have to go and buy a bike bell, she'd be up for about 8 to $15 at the most. And so going through that whole process of figuring out what are the consequences, um, what is the severity of those consequences, um, it really does lead you to the conclusion that, you know, I can survive this. You know, if you say to yourself, I might need this one day, just also then say to yourself, but I can survive not having it because you can survive not having it. You've survived far worse than breaking your can opener and realizing you don't have a spare because you decluttered it. Um, you've experienced far worse in your life. And, you know, if, once you analyse that, you, you do see that quite clearly yourself. And I think you also need to look at the inconvenience of replacing something that you decluttered and you find down the track that you need it. How inconvenient is that versus how inconvenient is it to keep it? Yeah, exactly. So it's not just... Um, oh, you know, gosh, my can opener is broken. I need to now go through the inconvenience of buy, going and going to the shops and buying a new one. Yes, maybe not what you planned for your day. And yes, you want to open that tin of pineapple right now or whatever it is. But the inconvenience of keeping that can opener in a drawer, which let's face it, everyone's second drawers of utensils are overflowing. Quite cool, yeah. Yeah. And so you to adjust every time you want to shut the drawer. Mm. Every That's it. Five, it's times a day. Yeah, you add up the seconds and minutes <laughs> lost when you've got too much clutter in that drawer mm. day after day after day versus now you can open a break and breaks and you think I've got to go and replace it. So you got to I think you've got to weigh those two things up. Yeah, for sure. And the bigger the item, the bigger the inconvenience in both ways, I think. So I think yeah. it's almost um I I wonder here's a question for you, Beck. And this is not one on notice, so you'll just have to think on your feet here. But, <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you think people find this just-in-case idea harder when the items are bigger? I think so. 
because the more expensive something is, the more work you have to do to replace it, both in well, with spending money on it, but you also have to do research and you have to compare prices and those kinds of things. When you're buying something that's inexpensive, you, you don't bother with that. You just go out and you just buy it. But when it's something big, you do spend a lot more. You've spent a lot of effort in the first place acquiring those and you spend a lot of money and then you spend a lot of effort and money replacing those. So when you're doing that probability uh, risk analysis, it ranks really high um, because even though the probability of needing it is quite low, the the risk of inconvenience is, is a bit higher. So, yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Um, the thing is, though, there's so much more to gain. Like the real estate that Camping yeah, Gear occupies yeah. is huge. So getting rid of it, you make a huge gain compared to getting rid of a can opener, maybe a, you know, slight noticeable change mm. in your drawer but getting rid of a whole bottom shelf of stuff oh, in your garage you yeah. know and so i think that's i think that's where people struggle because it's well they forget yeah. they forget to do that comparison they forget about what they're going to gain from mm. decluttering it and they they think too much about what they're going to lose from decluttering it i find too with some of my clients that when we get to big stuff that ends up being the stuff that I say, this is the stuff you can borrow or this is the stuff you can hire. You know, it's really hard to go out and hire a can opener, but you can absolutely go and hire camping gear for a weekend or you, it's the kind of stuff that people are happy to lend you because it's stuff that not everybody has or everyone hangs on to. Yeah. So I think that the big stuff, there's big gains to be made by letting it go, but also if it because it's fallen into that just in case category because it's not something that's regularly used if that scenario arises guaranteed you'll you'll either know someone or you can mm. google online where you can hire that kind of stuff yeah. and how much better to pay a little bit of money or buy your friends a bottle of wine to say thanks for lending us your tent this weekend rather than yeah, reacquiring yeah thing and storing and then, it for yeah, another three yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I did that recently, you know, when um, I last went on a trip to Sydney, we, we only keep small suitcases in our family. We tend to be rather a little bit minimalist when it comes to traveling. But this particular trip, I needed a lot of stuff. I had several events and I was working and there was lots of stuff to, to take. And you know, all of our suitcases are medium to small. In fact, most of them are almost carry-on size, actually. So they're pretty small. And so I just rang up a friend and I said, hey, I know you'll have massive suitcases because she always takes loads and loads of shoes on all of her trips. And she laughed. She said, yes, I have massive suitcases. Would you like to borrow one? And I said, yes, please. And so I just borrowed her suitcase. I said, give me your oldest, tattiest one so I don't worry about ruining it. And she said, that way they're all old and tatty. And so I went and borrowed her giant suitcase and um, then I returned it again when it was done. And, you know, she was happy to lend it to me um, the same way I'd be happy to lend something to her. I get really excited about the, the new sharing economy. You know how there's like Uber and new share and, and sharing offices and corporate spaces. Um, I love this new sharing economy that's coming up because it gets me excited about these big things that you're talking about, sharing them instead of owning them. Um, we don't all need to own everything. And mm -hmm. if we could somehow share... Um, we could do that, and and we we talked about that um, with your skiing gear as well already in the last uh, one of our That's other right. episodes. And I think my husband found this with has discovered this with power tools. I think there was there was at some point, possibly 
late 80s, early 90s, where men could beat their chest and, and proclaim their manhood in terms of how many power tools they owned. But I think that is slowly decreasing in favour of wanting space and needing mm-hmm. space. And so my husband last year was redoing, putting, putting new doors on our garage and there were certain tools he was coming up to in the process and going, oh, I don't have that. So some things like a chisel, he would go and buy because he said, yeah, I will use this for this, but I know what else I can use this for. Great. But then there were other, and I have no idea what these items were, but things that he needed. And he was like, right. Yes, I don't have that. I can't think of another time beyond this scenario where I'm going to use that. So he rang whatever the local tool hire place was, borrowed it for the weekend, got his jobs done, dropped it back. And it cost him a fraction of the price of, buying one and for it to then sit yeah Mm. in our shed for the next 30 years until I secretly declutter it (laughs) but that's the thing and you look you look now and there's you can share almost anything if you know where to look online yeah yeah it's fantastic it's really quite exciting Mm. I think that's about it to cover so I think when we're looking at just in case items you really have to ask yourself does it affect your life negatively is it getting in the way of the life that you desire? And if so, don't keep it. Don't keep it just in case. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please subscribe or leave a rating or a review. Please feel free to tell your friends about us if they too would also like to be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our personal pages at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.